This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Jonathan, I have to say that it has been a challenging year, but I am so glad we were able to do this show together. It means a lot. Yeah, me too. I I look forward to uh, our opportunity to talk to each other and see each other, even if it's over this dumb Zoom application. I know. uh, (laughs) I know. I mean... It's what what we got right now, and uh, frankly, I will take it. Yeah, I know that uh, the show feels to me when we do it every week like this is my this is my social time, this is my connection, but also we're making an entertainment product. And we know, listeners, just thank you so much for reaching out to us all the time and saying how much the show means to you because, wow, that, that definitely, uh, you know, it's just inspiration, honestly, to keep going. It's, it's very true. We love, we love hearing from you and we love uh, connecting with you and we hope that you also feel that uh, spirit of connectedness, that 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 feeling that we are all in this uh, together. And with that in mind, I think it's important to say that um, none of this would be possible without your support. Listener support of public radio stations is the thing that keeps us going, and we're very grateful. Yes, so we need your support today. Very simple. Just go to donate.mpr.org slash AMA. And thank you. More than ever before, Happy New Year. Break out the bubbly and enjoy this super special Tournament of Champions episode of Ask Me Another with special guests Cal Penn and Dan Soder. This episode was taped in front of a live audience back in December 2019. We'll be back with a brand new episode next week. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. It's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another, the Tournament of Champions. I'm Jonathan Colton, and here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Hello, everybody. This is exciting. This is our first ever Tournament of Champions. I know. So I always say we have four brilliant contestants backstage, but this time I really mean it. (laughs) We have four brilliant contestants backstage, and one of them will be our really big winner. It's exciting. I know. And I have to say... We've been doing the show for a while, so over the years, of course, we've had a lot of contestants, and we have had a lot of winners, but what makes these four special that we have assembled tonight is that they are the four winners who were available for this show. It's true. Yeah. And of course, as part of Tournament of Champions episode, we have a champion of a guest. Cal Penn is going to be joining us. Yeah. Even though Cal uh, was, of course, in originally Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, uh, Cal himself considers himself, he doesn't smoke weed, and he considers himself a vegetarian and an aspiring vegan. (laughs) Aspiring vegan. I just found out today, I too am an aspiring vegan. (laughs) I eat meat, but you know, you never know. 
<laughs> I'm an aspiring a lot of things. I'm an aspiring marathoner. I'm an aspiring flosser. Uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for this one day, don't know when, where I'm going to change and be amazing. You'll see. On the show, we also have comedian Dan Soder. Dan Soder is in the Showtime series Billions. I'm going to ask him what it's like to make thousands in a show called Billions. <laughs> and we have a game celebrating Elf on the Shelf. Thank God I missed the Elf on the Shelf. I mean, I missed it like it didn't exist when I was a child. Uh, it's, it's very scary to me. It's a, weird, it's a weird thing, yeah. Yeah, Elf on the Shelf. And I mean, between Elf on the Shelf and Santa... There are a lot of men watching people during the holiday season. I, don't, I think that's weird. I, don't, I, I can just see the elf reporting back to Santa like, yeah, I saw him push a girl on the playground, but you know what? He's always been nice to me, so... Yeah, I don't trust that elf one little bit. <laughs> no, do you do that with your kids, elf on the shelf? No, you know, a relative sent me elf on a shelf, and I read the... I, it was new, and I read the back description of what it was, and I was like, I'm not going to put this in my children's lives. What does the back description say? Well, it just explains how to do it. It's the yeah. elf sits on a shelf and watches everything that they do and reports to Santa, which is already, like, super creepy. Super creepy. All right, let's play some games, everybody. It's our tournament of champions, and our first two champions will play a game based on Elf on the Shelf. Our first returning champion is Danielle Miebert. Hi, Akira. So you are still an administrator at NYU, but you've moved to a different department. I have, yes. Okay, so where did you move? I went to undergrad film and television. Uh-huh. And how are the challenges there different? Um... I feel like a lot of pressure to like bring my fashion A game, which oh, yeah. because I feel like our students are so effortlessly fashionable on a budget that even with an unlimited budget, there's no hope for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear, as an administrator at NYU, you have an unlimited budget. That's <laughs> awesome. I didn't say that. I said if. <laughs> if okay. Danielle, when you ring in, we'll hear this. You'll be facing our return champion, Shereas Vangala. Now, you used to work for the New York State Power Authority, but you've moved to energy consulting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, as an uh, energy consultant, <laughs> what secrets can you tell me about my energy bill? Uh, a lot of it is estimated. That doesn't sound good. Yeah. So, you know, and they sort of chew it up at the end of the year. Yeah. They what at the end of the year? They, like, chew it up. So, you know, it could be, like, higher than you expected at the end of the year, or, you know, it might be a little bit lower. So, yeah. So it's so all keep just for that. arbitrary. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Shreyas, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Danielle and Shreyas, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. The Elf on the Shelf. This treasured Christmas tradition dates all the way back to 2005. So we decided to get in on this and make up our own rhyming holiday traditions in a word game called Something on the Something. For example, if we said, this fruit, commonly used to make wine, rests on the head of a chimpanzee, you would answer, grape on the ape. All right. Ring into answer. Here we go. This German composer's Brandenburg concertos will wake you up on this classy and classical timekeeping device. Danielle, 
Oh, God. Bach on a clock? Bach on a clock is correct. Six concertos in the Brandenburg concertos. He went for broke. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible, terrible, terrible. (laughs) This pioneering radioactivity researcher is the first person to win the Nobel Prize in two different fields. And, like all scientists, loves getting a piggyback ride on someone enthusiastically dressed in an animal costume. Shreyas. Curie's furries? <laughs> Marie, that's correct. Marie Curie on the furry is what we were looking for. Okay. <laughs> and they laughed at you, Shreyas, yes. but you had it right all along. You were correct. Create a new holiday tradition. Watch this Christmassy action movie starring Bruce Willis by projecting it onto the head of the European Central Bank. Wow, Shreyas. Uh, Die Hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. down. Uh, and, you know, good, the yeah. head of this European Central Bank. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bacard. <laughs> Die Hard on the Bacard. That's a fine guess, but it's incorrect. Danielle, do you know, do you know the answer? I'll pick a random French name that rhymes with it, so I'll say uh, Cotillard. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you had a 50-50 chance. <laughs> Just doing some quick math, but that's incorrect. We're looking for Die Hard on the Christine Lagarde. <laughs> yeah. She's wondering right now why people don't know her name. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a fairly important role. Couldn't afford Hamilton tickets? Good news. Its creator is now performing on this roofed platform along the outside of a house. It's the porch where it happens. Danielle. Miranda on the veranda? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. This is your last clue. This pop star doesn't need an umbrella, Ella Ella, in this room used as a dry heat bath. Danielle. Rihanna in the sauna? Yeah, that's right. Great game, and Danielle is in the lead. This audio quiz is called Stand Up First Ladies. We'll play a clip of a first lady being witty. You just tell me who we're hearing. And the points are doubled. Danielle, stay in the lead, and you are in the final round. Shreyas, you need to get more points, or you have to do improv with Mamie Eisenhower. Oh, my God. Yeah. Poor Mamie. (laughs) Poor Mamie. (laughs) Not the first person to say it. All right, here we go. This first clip is from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. How is swagaliciousness achieved? It's 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 a person that has a lot of swag. And if you don't know what swag is, Steve, you definitely don't have it. Daniel? Michelle Obama? Yes, that is correct. I love that Michelle Obama also called him Steve, not Stephen. That's a classic power move right there. (laughs) Remember when presidents went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Ah... Here, this first lady gets in a sick burn about her husband. George's answer to any problem at the ranch is to cut it down with a chainsaw. (laughs) Which I think is why he and Cheney and Rumsfeld get along so well. Shreyas. Laura Bush. 
Yeah, that's Laura Bush. All right, this clip is from a 1990 commencement speech. Somewhere out in this audience may even be someone who will one day follow in my footsteps and preside over the White House as the president's spouse, and I wish him well. Shreyas. Who's Barbara Bush? Yeah, that's Barbara Bush, exactly. In a 1968 video tour of the White House, this first lady tells a story about President Roosevelt and a chandelier that made an annoying sound. Every time the door opened, it tinkled, distracting him greatly. He ordered it to be sent to the Capitol, and he was supposed to have said, put it in the vice president's office, and it will keep him awake. Treyas. Lady Bird Johnson. You got it. That is correct. I love the idea of a house so quiet, the tinkling of a chandelier would be... It's like in my house, it's like garbage trucks and jackhammers nearby and dogs barking and people screaming. The sound of the fine crystal jostling against the other fine crystal (laughs) is driving me mad. Do you know when gems hit each other? Don't you find that annoying? All right. Amazing couple of games. And congratulations, Shreyas. You are moving to our final round. Do you think you have what it takes to be a contestant? Think bigger. Do you think you have what it takes to be the next Ask Me Another champion? Why not go to amatickets.org and apply, and let's find out together. Coming up, Cal Penn is joining us. He's gone from the TV series House to the White House to the Bell House. And I'll ask him, which one is really a home? I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. At Planet Money, we are also grappling with what's going on in the world. We just don't know, and and you're still going to have to decide. So we call up economists like Emily Oster. It's like we're fighting the pandemic by having a bake sale or something. (laughs) I mean, all due respect to bake sales. (laughs) Listen and subscribe to Planet Money from NPR. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. 
it's time to welcome our special guest. You know him from the Harold and Kumar film franchise and from shows like House. He currently stars in the new series, Sunnyside. Give it up for Kel Penn. How's it going? This is so fun. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Listen, I have to ask you, I found out that you threw the first pitch at a Mets game yes, not so long ago. I did, yeah. Uh, and how did it go? Uh, so I hired a baseball coach to teach me how to make it across the plate. Oh. And I did. Yes! <laughs> but then, the downside of this, by the way, like, it was an uneventful pitch. I mean, <laughs> it, it made it across the plate, and so then you don't end up on SportsCenter. But you do these things to promote the show you have coming out, right? Of course. So we did it in conjunction with Sunnyside, which takes place in Queens, and my character's a Mets fan. But because I didn't do anything wrong, it didn't show up on SportsCenter. So then I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have hired the coach. <laughs> you can never and win. should have hit the ground, yeah. So you were just talking about Sunnyside. Yes, you have a new show that you write, produce, and star in. Yes. Called Sunnyside. You play Garrett Modi, a disgraced New York City councilman who gets booted from office. And mm-hmm. then ends up uh, deciding to tutor a group of uh, immigrants who are studying for the exam to become a yep. citizen. Uh, so first of all, why, why did you decide to set the show in Queens? Uh, well, I, I live in New York. I mean, the selfish reason is I didn't want to get on a plane anymore to go to L.A. to work. <laughs> um, but the, the bigger reason is, you know, Queens is the most diverse place in America. It's a microcosm of not just the country, but the rest of the world. I loved stories growing up that were universal because the characters were so grounded. And I always think about Seinfeld. I loved Seinfeld as a kid. Like, every Indian uncle is George Costanza. <laughs> and so the, the Seinfeld writers are so good at grounding these characters. They're so relatable. No matter what your background is, you can watch the show and love it. And I thought I would love in 2019 to do that in a, in a neighborhood or in a community that's more reflective of who we are today. And so uh, setting it in Queens made sense. We were looking at places like Flushing, which turns out to be a terrible title for a show. Flushing. So, yeah. It's tough. Uh, so we went with Sunnyside. Sunnyside. Yeah. And you don't have to get on a plane? You guys shoot it in Queens? So we shoot in L.A. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, they called and said, we're picking up your show. When are you getting out here? And I was like, what do you mean? No, you guys, when are you guys coming out here? They said, no, 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 we're, no. Well, you're, it's way more affordable to shoot <laughs> yes, exactly. in L.A. I said, really, you're going to replicate Queens in Los Angeles? They said, are you, are you not interested in doing this? I was like, no, I'll be right there. Yeah, be right there. Yeah. So, Cal, your big break comes in 2003 when you meet one of the co-creators of Harold and Kumar, go to White Castle, John Hurwitz. Yes. You meet him at a pool party. He approaches you and says, whoa, you don't have an accent. <laughs> yes. Did you push him in the pool? Uh, so John, John and Hayden, the, who both created the franchise, were there, and, and yeah, John did say, hey, you don't have an Indian accent, and I just thought, like, what a Yeah. What a I don't even know how to, and I was really standoffish. I, I said something kind of smart-alecky, and he said, no, 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 I, I saw you in Van Wilder, and I thought that you had an Indian accent. I, I'm actually surprised that you don't, uh, because I wrote this movie called Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, and I would love for you to read it, and you'd be perfect to play this character, Kumar. And he told me about it, he and, uh, he and Hayden, and I said, yeah, I'd love to read it. I read it, they sent it to me, this is before it went out onto the market, and I called them and I said, uh, this is amazing, like, this movie is incredible, you're never going to sell it in Hollywood, <laughs> because trust me, like... Nobody wants, like, the brown and yellow guys 
like as leads in the movie. They've told me to my face, I'm telling you. And he said in very New Jersey fashion, he's like, no, we're going to sell this to a studio. But speaking of representation in film and TV, a couple of years ago on Twitter, you decided to share uh, a bunch of your audition scripts <laughs> yeah. uh, that you would audition for different roles over the years that were wildly stereotypical. Yeah. Uh, and some of them were just outright offensive. And you wanted to let everyone know what it was like out there. When were those auditions taking place? Uh, they probably would have been, what, from 98 to 2011? Oh, wow. Or tw- 2009, maybe? Okay, I was yeah. going to put them all in the 90s. So no, that's, no, no. Yeah, no. so it's, it's more frightening. And by the way, I mean, so, not to, you know, a, a lot of these types of things still happen. Sure. It's not just because they don't happen to me anymore doesn't mean they're not still happening. No, exactly. Yeah. I think we all think it's getting better, but there's a long way to go. it is, for sure, yeah. Yeah. So in 2009, you left the series house to take a job at the White House yep. with the Obama administration, and you, uh, your position is the associate director at the White House Office of Public Engagement. First of all, why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. So 2007, uh, you know, the Democratic primary had uh, an equal number of candidates, really wide field. I think it was 12 different candidates at the time. And all the screenwriters went on strike in 2007 as well. So we couldn't shoot episodes of House beyond a certain point. And Olivia Wilde, who was very politically active and still is, uh, she said, hey, I, I, um, I'm going to an Obama event. Do you want to come with me? I, I know you've read his book. I said, yeah, I read his book. Um, I said, I'm not interested, not interested in getting involved in politics. And she's like, well, I have a plus one, so you should just come. So I went to this event with her, really actually liked it. It was nice to see. There were no, no press there or anything. Was enamored enough by his campaign and the no lobbyist money and all of that at that point. And so I'll do three days in Iowa uh, before the caucuses. So I went in October of 2007, and then he won. And uh, there's an opportunity to serve in the White House. And I, you know, what are you going to say? No, Mr. President, I have another stoner movie to make. Like I, That's the abridged version of... Uh, but wait a second, you yeah. did have a stoner movie I, to I make. I did have a stoner movie. <laughs> and you left briefly to make the stoner movie. Yes, so we had a... Um, <laughs> we did, that's true, that's true. I mean, so, by the way, how cool the, is the HR department at the White House that uh, they're like, go do it, I prop, love it. Props to Valerie Jarrett for not having filled my position <laughs> while I was taking the sabbatical from my sabbatical. <laughs> Uh, I was only going to do a year at the White House. I ended up doing just over two years because after the first year, you kind of realize, oh, government moves very slowly. You know, it's early in an administration, so they want to do things legislatively instead of through executive action. And two of the things that I was very peripherally working on with obviously huge teams were the Affordable Care Act and, and the DREAM Act and then the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And I was like, I just, I don't want to leave without those votes even happening. So I said I was going to stay longer and the company that owns the Harold and Kumar franchise said, uh, no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> so the lawyers talk to each other, and they're like, you really need to do – this is a job that you signed a contract to do. It's like, okay, well, what do I say now? Yeah. Um, so I said I was going to have to resign. And they, again, the, I guess the benefit of bureaucracy was that a movie only takes like two months to shoot, and filling government jobs takes way longer. <laughs> so – so when I finished that, I, I inquired, and it was still available. So I went back to my <laughs> job. Right. So you do yeah. Harold and Kumar a very 3D Christmas. 3D Christmas. Yes. Uh, Genitals in 3D, then go back to working for <laughs> Obama. That's, That's amazing. America is a beautiful place. <laughs> it is a beautiful place. Are you ready for your Ask Me Another Challenge? Yes. All right. Fantastic. Cal, your lifelong dream actually was to be an astronaut. It's true. Can you tell me about that? 
So from the time I was probably, what, in fifth, fourth or fifth grade, I really, really wanted to be an astronaut. And then I realized uh, that you, at the time, had to have perfect vision. Uh, and I guess this still holds true. Be really good at math and science-y things, since, you know, they're scientists at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'm terrible at those things. I'm very inquisitive. I like them. All my tattoos are science-y and astronomy, but I realized I was going to have to settle for things like tattoos and hopefully playing an astronaut one day. Yeah, since okay. I, you know, yeah. And this quiz. Yeah. Because it is your dream to be an astronaut, and you describe yourself as an aspiring vegan. So we've combined <laughs> those two interests in a game called Plants in Space. <laughs> okay, if you do well okay. enough, yeah. listener Raymond Williams from College Park, Maryland, is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Ooh, all right. Okay, so these are multiple choice questions. Okay. In 2015, for the first time, astronauts were permitted to eat the lettuce grown on the International Space Station. What salad dressing did they choose? Was it A, ranch, B, none, because dressing weighed too much to bring into space, or C, balsamic? C, balsamic? Yeah, that's right. Is it? Yeah. All right. B sounded like the right answer. I know. Right? Yeah. That's right. What historic gardening first did China's space program accomplish in early 2019? A, they grew the first plant on the moon. B, they grew marigolds in zero gravity. Or C, they grew a potato on the International Space Station and then used it to power an LED clock. C? No, no it's the marigold, isn't it? No. What? China landed a craft on the dark side of the moon. No. On board was a biosphere with cotton seeds. The seeds sprouted and survived for almost two weeks. That's so cool. Yeah, right? Yeah. All right, this is your last clue. Okay. In 1962, John Glenn was the first American to eat in space. His first meal was vegetarian. What was it? A... Applesauce, squeezed out of a tube. B, hummus, squeezed out of a tube. <laughs> or C, lasagna, squeezed out of a tube. 1962, John I Glenn. I want to say applesauce. Yeah, applesauce is correct. <laughs> Thank you, guys. So yeah, in 1962, it wasn't known if people could chew and swallow in space. Oh, wow. In zero gravity. Yeah. They weren't sure. Uh, so Glenn proved it was possible <laughs> to chew and swallow, but also said the food was not great <laughs> starting the beginning. All right, congratulations, Cal. You did it. You and Raymond Williams won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Thank you. The latest episodes of Sunnyside are on Hulu now, and Cal will be back to play another game later in the show. But right now, give it up for Cal Penn. Thank you, guys. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is our first Ask Me Another Tournament of Champions. We've invited some of our big winners to return to the stage to play for the ultimate prize. Validation. <laughs> Let's meet our champions. Our first returning champion is Leah Berkowitz. <laughs> you are still a rabbi. Yes. Uh, Leah, where is your winning Rubik's Cube? 
Uh, it is in my apartment, but I ha- in my house, but I have a um, decoy one in my office because I knew if I had the real one in there, the bar and bat mitzvah students would destroy it. Do you, have you always had a Rubik's Cube in your office? Uh, yeah, I use it as a prop for a story I would tell in the synagogue. What story? <laughs> it's a story about patience tests, and one of, them is, one of the patience tests is a Rubik's Cube. Patience tests. Is that story in the Old Testament, and I just missed it? <laughs> No, but it is about Moses. It is about Moses. Is about and Moses, Moses was very patient? Sometimes. <laughs> Interesting. You're not going to... I have to come see... I have to come to a service. You're going to make me go to temple to get these answers? I mean, how long yeah. has it been, Afira? <laughs> Maybe you should think about it. You know that's been my plan all along. <laughs> it's true. Leah, when you're ringing, we'll hear this. You'll be facing returning champion Lance Merlot. You coordinate freight trucks, and where is your winning Rubik's Cube? I have it up on a little knick-knack shelf I have, mm-hmm. a bunch of random stuff up there, and that is the crowning jewel. What other knick-knacks are up there? Uh, some random car keys I found on a trip to Greece. Okay, not, not, not as good. Movie stubs, yeah. a Gumby. Lance, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Leah and Lance, whoever has more points after two games will move on to our final round. When it comes to our music parodies, it's surprising which songs our contestants don't know. So our champion's first game is a music parody called Hits and Misses. We chose some extremely popular songs that former Ask Me Another contestants somehow failed to identify. And in honor of those failures, we rewrote the lyrics of these, once again, extremely (laughs) popular and well-known songs... To make them about famous historical flops. So ring in to identify the flop I'm singing about, and if you get that right, you can earn a bonus point by identifying the original song or artist who made it famous. You ready? <laughs> what you want? JVC's got it. VHS. Everybody bought it. Sorry, Sony. Even though your format is technically superior, no one wants it. You lost the war. Lance. Is that Betamax? It is Betamax. That's correct. And that's Respect by Aretha Franklin? Yeah, well done. Bonus point for you. Can you believe a prior contestant could not identify Respect? It's surprising. I sound just like Aretha Franklin. (laughs) Here's your next one. Fancy tech, wear it on my face. This step in the wearable ARAs. Taking pics with my creepy winks. Leah. Uh, Google Glasses. Google Glass is correct. For a bonus point, can you name that very popular song? Does that Kiss the Sky? I don't know what it's actually called. Or Artist. Uh, no. <gasps> Sorry, I can't Twice. give it to you. It's Purple Haze by Jimi oh. Hendrix. Here's your next one. A new Ishtar. No big name stars. Some Disney honcho must have major battle scars. No big receipts. No butts in seats. Nobody care about the Civil War and Mars. Lance. 
John Carter. Yes, wow, well done. Good job. Why do you know that? Great question. <laughs> For a bonus point, can you name the very popular song or artist? I cannot. That's all right. That was I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder. And I think the Broadway stage is not for me Cause I just got another injury These stunts are dangerous and ow my knee Oh no, no, no I'm a Marvel man A Marvel man I don't even really like you two <laughs> Leah Spider-Man Into the Dark Into the Spider- It was a Spider-Man musical <laughs> Was, but I'm afraid I can't give it to you, Leah. Lance, do you know the answer? Was it Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? Yeah, that's correct. That's oh. correct. Oh. oh, man, nobody wanted that to... I know. It's, it's a bad beat. It's a bad beat. Uh, Lance, for a bonus point, can you name that song or artist? Yeah, that was Elton John, Rocket Man. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> this is your last clue. Taste test showed that people liked a sweeter drink So they changed the formula to compete I prefer the classic You can have these cans When you pry them from my cold dead hands Leah? New Coke New Coke, you got it can you name that very popular song or artist? I'm a Believer by the Monkees. Yeah, that's oh. right. <laughs> okay, great game. Lance is in the lead. Coming up next, comedian Dan Soder. He'll talk about his new HBO special, Son of a Gary. I'll ask him if his dad is Gary Marshall, Gary Busey, or fingers crossed, Gary the Pet Snail from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. Remember, your local public radio station makes it possible for us to make this show. If you can give, please consider supporting us and all of the NPR shows you love. Just go to donate.npr.org slash AMA. (laughs) 
This is NPR's Ask Me Another, the Tournament of Champions. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Today we invited some of our previous big winners, and we're going to find out who will be the biggest winner. Our next game combines food and books. You're going to mash up writers' names with foods. For example, if we said, the author of The Awakening can't resist a short stack, you would answer, Kate Chopin cakes. (laughs) (laughs) That is a deep dive. I apologize in advance to everyone. Yeah. (laughs) And because this game is impossible, the points are doubled. Lance, stay in the lead, and you are in the final round. Leah, you need to get more points or read my lips. You'll have to eat your words. (laughs) The secret identity of this Neapolitan novel's author won't be revealed. No matter how many little deep-fried potato cylinders the Orida company bribes her with. Leah. Elena Ferran Tater Tots? Yeah, that's right. Wow. A little-known fact about the southern modernist who wrote The Sound and the Fury, he loved to pound back a box of these colorful, pebble-shaped, tangy candies. Lance. So the candy's nerds. Um, It's for the author. Sound and the Fury. Yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank. All right, Leah, do you know the answer? James Faulknerds? Uh, no, it's not James Faulkner's. I can't give it to you. It's William, William Faulkner's. Oh. I had a cocktail at a bar in Brooklyn called the Faulkner Grony. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it had grown in the thing, <laughs> so that was name. good. Yeah. <laughs> this slouching toward Bethlehem and the year of magical thinking author... Always shells out the extra four bucks to upgrade from French fries to these deep-fried circular appetizers. Leah. Joan Diddy onion rings? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The Frito-Lay Company is honoring the Nigerian author of Americana and We Should All Be Feminists with a limited edition run of this crunchy, bright orange snack available in jalapeno, flaming hot, and original crunchy. Leah is holding her head. <laughs> Lance is just shaking his head at me I in read disgust. This book. What we're looking for is Chimamanda Ngozi Adichitos. Uh, all right, this is exciting. This is very exciting. This is your last clue. Wondering how this To Kill a Mockingbird author kept it tight well into her 80s? <laughs> Finally, a question elicits the response that we were hoping. (laughs) The answer, she subsisted solely on microwavable, low-calorie frozen dinners. Leah. I'm, like, embarrassed to say this. (laughs) How do you think I feel, Leah? (laughs) Harper Lean Cuisine? Harper Lean Cuisine. Yeah. That's right. All right, That was a really hard game. You guys are amazing. Big round of applause for our contestants. And congratulations. Leah is going to our final round.
our final round to determine the ultimate grand champion. Big winner of all time is coming up, but right now let's bring out our next special guest. He's a comedian whose new HBO special is called Son of a Gary, and you can see him in the Showtime series Billions. Please welcome Dan Soder. Yeah. Dan. Hi. How are you? Oh my God, what's up? We've known each other for so long. This is the weirdest way to see each other. I know. Hey, so congratulations on your HBO comedy special. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's called Son of a Gary. And, you know, so you set up right in the beginning that you were guaranteed to become a weirdo because you're an only child. Yes. Which is something I've addressed on other specials, but I don't think only children hear it enough. (laughs) It's not your fault. Someone just goes, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have a sounding board. And then you get out in the world, and they're like, why are you weird? And you're like, because I grew up without rules. <laughs> you're like Nell. You're like Feral. You know? You just decide. You make up your own language. Dude, only children are the weirdest people on the planet. And it's fine. But I think, like, I talk to myself, and people are like, that's weird. And you're like, I was alone. <laughs> I, this is what I have to do. I think you're scarier if you just sit around in silence by yourself. That's, that is... Just breathing heavy through your nose. <laughs> <It's> like, <sighs> I only talk when mother talks to me. Uh, I love that you decided to be a comedian. You were working at a cannery in Alaska. Yeah. A summer job in college. Yeah, my aunt lived in Soldotna, and she was my dad's sister. She was kind of like my second mom, and mm-hmm. she was like, hey, I got cancer. And I was like, cool. I'm either going to work at Applebee's in Aurora, Colorado, or I can move up to Alaska and live with my aunt for a summer. And so I did that, and then I ended up just working on the docks. And then I worked like 16 Whoa. hours a day, seven days a week for three months. And then I ended up like making all these weathered humans laugh. <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm going to do stand-up. Because I always wanted to do it, but I was like, you're not funny enough to do stand-up. Yeah. When you're raised by a single mom that doesn't have a lot of time on her hands, you don't get a lot of compliments. (laughs) Right. And so I grew up being like, I'm probably wrong. And I was like, I want to do stand-up, but I'm probably not funny enough. And then I'm I'm making these guys laugh who are missing fingers. (laughs) Like, for real. Like, like, they came back from a halibut run, and they're like, ah! (laughs) You know, I moved back to Tucson, and that's when I started doing open mics. Wow. Yeah. You were the funniest guy at the cannery. Yeah. That's rare. That is a rare thing. Okay, Dan, are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Dan, you're a huge wrestling fan. Die hard. Going to go home tonight and watch Monday Night Raw. Always been a wrestling fan? Since my mom and my dad went out one night and dropped me off at their friend's house to babysit me, I was two years old, and WrestleMania One was on. Oh, yeah. And I came home, and my mom was like, you were a wrestling fan since. And I love it. All right. Well, we have a great opponent for you for this game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Please welcome back to the stage, Cal Pan, everybody. Ooh. What's up? Let's get into it. Cal, Dan, Dan, Cal? Yeah, if I had properly prepared, I, I could have come out and, like, clotheslined you. Yeah. <laughs> I should have been like, I know Cal Penn. I've been watching Cal Penn for years. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something, Ophira. <laughs> you come to Brooklyn, you're going to get a whole bunch of nerd knowledge. <laughs> All right, Dan, Cal, you're going to face off in a quiz about the history of wrestling. Oh, yeah. You're going to ring into answer. 
Okay, here we go. According to Smithsonian Magazine, we all know the ancient Greek philosopher Plato, but did you know that Plato is actually the nickname his wrestling coach gave him? Yes. <laughs> what does Plato mean? Does it mean A, broad shoulders, B, pinning king, or C, big glutes? Cal. Pinning king? I'm sorry, Cal, that is incorrect. <sighs> Dan, can you steal? Broad shoulders. Broad eh. shoulders is correct. <laughs> it's the thing you need the most at wrestling, baby. <laughs> also weird to know about Plato. Isn't that weird? You're going to read his philosophy and you're like, whatever, broad shoulders. <laughs> That's right. Takes a whole different feeling yeah. on it. He's just a meathead? That's weird. He was just a meathead. Plato's a meathead. <laughs> or was he not at all, and it was just like trying to be nice about it? <laughs> or they're just mocking him. They yeah. go, here goes broad shoulders. He goes, shut up! They're going to remember me. No one's going to remember you. <laughs> According to the A&E documentary, The History of Wrestling, archaeologists found ancient... Egyptian murals depicting wrestling and hieroglyphics that translated into what piece of trash talk? A, I'm going to make you faint right in front of Pharaoh. B, when I win, your prized cat will be ashamed of you. Or C, I farted in your dad's sarcophagus. Dan. I feel like... Cat shame. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were. That is incorrect, Cal. Can you steal? As much as I would love for it to be the farting one, I, I think it's the first one. Yeah, I'm going to make you faint right in front of Pharaoh. That's <laughs> great. That was trash talk. That's pretty great. This is your last clue. The 2006 Jack Black film Nacho Libre is loosely based on the true story of a Mexican priest who became a masked wrestler to raise money for an orphanage. What was his Lucha Libre persona? A. Frey Tormenta, or Friar Storm. Santa Bofitada, or Holy Smackdown. Or C. El Diablo Caritativo, or The Charitable Devil. Cal. The Charitable Devil. If only. (laughs) What do you think, Dan? Is it Friar Storm or The Holy Smackdown? Just because as a wrestling fan, it's such a badass name. <laughs> Friar Storm. Friar Storm is correct. Yeah. yeah. Listen, people, it's mostly marketing. <laughs> well, you guys did amazing. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. Dan, congratulations. You won. And you won an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Thank you so much to Cal Penn. Thank you. Dan Soder co-hosts the Sirius XM show The Bonfire and his new HBO comedy special Son of a Gary is available now. Dan Soder, everyone. Okay, it's time to crown the big winner of our first tournament of champions. Let's bring back our finalists. Shereas Vangala, who says your energy bill is probably correct. (laughs) And Leah Berkowitz, who uses Rubik's Cubes to teach about Moses. (laughs) As returning champions, you are the first to try our new final round format where you'll need smarts and strategy to win. The first contestant to bank eight points wins. There are multiple categories. Each has four clues. 
Each clue is worth one point. So your first category is 2010's hip hop. Name the artist. The first clue is always a toss up, so ring in to answer. 2016, good as hell. Leah? Lizzo. That is correct. Leah, you have one point and control of the category. To keep going and earn up to three more points, you just say, ask me another. But the risk is, if you miss a clue, your opponent will get a chance to steal control of the category and the points you haven't banked. So what will it be? Ask me another. 2014 Anaconda. I don't know. Okay. Shreyas, if you know the answer, you will steal that point and take control of the category. Nicki Minaj? That is correct. All right, so you stole that point and you got a point for that question. You now have two points. Ask me another. <laughs> 2014 Trap Queen. Betty Wap. That is correct. There's one more clue in this category. What would you like to do? I'm good. All right. That three points go into your bank. Shreyas is in the lead three to zero. All right. Your next category is name that national park. Where (laughs) would you find these things? Mud pots and the geyser old faithful. Leah. Yellowstone. That is correct. What would you like to do? Ask me another. Mesquite flat sand dunes and devil's golf course. Uh, Yosemite. Sorry, that is incorrect, Shreyas. Can you steal? The Everglades? Oh, I'm sorry. Both of you don't know anything about national <laughs> parks. It's okay. That was uh, Death Valley. All right, so Shreyas, you were unable to steal, so that point stays with Leah. The score is now three to one. Your next category is horses. Ring in to answer. <laughs> the Triple Crown consists of the Kentucky Derby, Preakness Stakes, and this. Shreyas. The Belmont Stakes? That is correct. What would you like to do? Let's skip it. Not a horseketeer. Okay. <laughs> I'm impressed you knew that one. All right, that one point goes into your bank. You are now in the lead four to one. Your next category is who played these rom-com moms? <laughs> Sophie's mom in 2008's Mamma Mia. Leah. Meryl Streep. That is correct. What would you like to do, Leah? Ask me another. Nick's mom in Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, what is her name? I don't know her name. Okay, Shreyas, can you steal? I too do not know her name. Okay. All right, that point stays with <laughs> Leah. Shreyas is in the lead four to two. The answer was Michelle Yao. Your next category is bad smells. <laughs> Ring into answer. Limburger is a stinky example of this food product. Shreyas. What is cheese? You don't have to say what is, but cheese is correct. (laughs) Happens all the time. (laughs) What would you like to do? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. Okay, no problem. Not feeling confident about smells. (laughs) You get that one point and you keep it. Shreyas, you're in the lead five to two. Your next category is spell that app. Ring and dance or spell the video app TikTok. Shreyas. T-I-K-T-O-K. That is correct. Ask me another. Spell the communication app Skype. S-K-Y-P-E. That is correct. All right, Shreyas, if you get this next question correct, you win the game. Ask me another. Spell the battle royale game Fortnite. F-O-R-T-N-I-T-E. 
That is correct. Congratulations, Strauss, our big winner. And now it's time for the traditional Tournament of Champions medal ceremony dating back to right now. Tied for third place, Lance and Danielle. Here are your bronze medals. Each is inscribed with the affirmation, you're simply the best. Technically, can't be true. (laughs) Our runner-up is Leah. Your silver medal declares you better than all the rest. And finally, the big winner of the Ask Me Another Tournament of Champions, Shreyas. And your gold medal proclaims you're better than anyone I ever met. Congratulations to all of our winners. Our podcast drops each Friday. Listen and subscribe. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolt a Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Juan Escalante, Andrew Kane, Ruth Morrison, and Karen Lurie, with additional material by Kara Weinberger. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Kara Powell, Nancy Sagehow, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Natalie Hattayan. Aha, any neat Italy. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore and Jay Russo. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal, and our bosses' bosses are Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, the Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Haripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, you're still listening. Fantastic. So since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We'd love to hear from you, and it also helps others find out about our show. For information about new episodes, bonus videos, and more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks! Next time on Ask Me Another, comedian Bowen Yang stops by to chat about his new gig as cast member on Saturday Night Live. Plus, from the new Fox comedy series Call Me Cat, we have friend testants Mayim Bialik and Cheyenne Jackson. Baron Vaughn and musician Open Mike Eagle drop by to play some games. So join me on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. This message comes from Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like online music and videos, artificial intelligence, electric vehicles, and more. Schwab's research uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into over 40 themes to choose from. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Visit schwab.com thematic investing. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.